this is when like um ian has to like merge across all these lanes which oh, i 100 yeah, yeah, yeah. felt that because i hate merging <laughs> so, <laughs> well and he had just failed his driving test so he's like terrified that he can't drive he's scared to merge he's gonna merge across like six lanes You're listening to Atlas Now Streaming, the podcast where we talk about your favorite movies, television shows, and documentaries on streaming platforms. Atlas Now Streaming is produced by Atlas Med Staff with your hosts, Jamie Zarlingo and Nina Granger. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another quarantine episode of Atlas Now Streaming. My name is Jamie. And I'm Nina. I feel like we should like just start calling it like Atlas Now Quarantine <laughs> or something. I love it. It's because, you know, who who knows how long we're going to be doing this for, but um, we're still here. We're here for you. Atlas still quarantined. Atlas still quarantined. <laughs> we're still here. We're still here for you. And we are still here to talk about what we're watching. And this week we watched a brand new Pixar film that was just released on Disney Plus last weekend. We were talking about Onward, which actually was not supposed to be on Disney Plus probably for a while. They released it um, in light of the uh, coronavirus outbreak. So it was released in theaters in the United States on March 6th, which was just before uh, the whole Coronavirus was considered a pandemic and everything started shutting down. So on April 3rd, it was released on Disney Plus. So people who are home with their families could watch it. And I was thankful for that because as I've said many times, I don't really get the chance to go out to the theater very much anymore. So um, I got to watch it at home and I'm really excited to talk about it because I'm a big fan of Pixar. What about you, Nina? Um, I love Pixar. Um... I just think all the animated movies that are coming out right now, I'm always just so impressed with how good they are, how good the story is, how inclusive everything is, especially comparative to the way that Disney films used to be. Um, I just think that every all the animated films I've seen have just been so great lately. I agree. And this one is no different. And it's completely star-studded. I, I want to talk about who's in this movie. A lot of familiar names and familiar voices. Um, of course, we'll talk about the plot. So some of these character names um, will come familiar as we get into the story. So we have Tom Holland, who is Ian Lightfoot, who is a teenage elf and is the younger brother of Barley, who is uh, voiced by Chris Pratt. So if those names sound familiar to you, Tom Holland is, of course, the new Spider-Man. And Chris Pratt um, got fame from Parks and Rec. He was also in Guardians of the Galaxy and uh, the Jurassic World uh, revival, I guess. Um, Julia Louise Dreyfus uh, plays Laurel Lightfoot, who is um, the mother of the two. She's also um, widowed to um, our character, Wilden, who is the father who is kind of a character, kind of not, um, but we'll get into that. Um, Octavia Spencer is also in this. She plays the voice of uh, the Manticore, who um, also goes by, I guess, like Corey is her nickname. 
um, Mel Rodriguez as Colt Bronco, who is Laurel's new boyfriend. He is also a centaur. He's got kind of a fun character there. Um, like I said, uh, Wilden Lightfoot, who is the father, he's voiced by Kyle Bornheimer, um, who he's in kind of, I don't know, like a mixed array of stuff. Um, but his voice is not really a big character in this film, but that is who plays uh, the voice. Um, also, I thought it was fun. Um, Lena, oh gosh, Waif, who um, she was in Master of None. Um, she also is a... Uh, She's um, a screenwriter and producer. She was one of the police officers. And Ali Wong, who I love. I love Ali Wong. Yes, so funny. She's another police officer. Um, and I didn't know this, but um, Wilmer Valderrama has a small part in this as well. So. Really? Yeah, he's one of the... Um, oh, oh, okay. He is the college friend of the dad that um, Ian oh. at, uh, like the... I don't know, breakfast place that he goes to. Yeah, I'm surprised I didn't catch that because his voice is so recognizable. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised too. It's funny um, too with um, Colt Bronco, he, um, the guy who voices him, he's been in, you know, some stuff too, but he, he plays this really great character in um, this movie, The Watch, that I really love. Um, oh, I guess he was also in Better Call Saul. Interesting. Um, yeah, so like I said, we have a, a great cast of people in this film, great voices, um, and a great story. So, um, let's get started. So the movie starts with, um, a voiceover from Wilden, and he's talking about, um, kind of like the ancient times of this, uh, fantasy world that we're about to embark on. Um, it's inhabited by mythical creatures, and magic was once, uh, commonplace, but it was very hard to master. So um, it became easier over time for people to use just modern technology. So it kind of shows a little sequence of, you know, these uh, like kind of like Dungeons and Dragons type, you know, scenery to modern day people with cell phones, you know, basic electricity. Um, and we uh, flash, flash forward to modern day. And um, we start off with Ian Lightfoot, who is an elf, and he just turned 16. He's kind of shy, um, and he has an older brother named Barley, uh, Chris Pratt, again, I guess I didn't really say anybody else's voice. <laughs> so uh, his older brother, Barley, um, is, I don't know, just like a couple of years older than him, but he's taking a gap year. So he's living at home, um, and he is a history buff and he's also a role-playing game fanatic and he's constantly getting in trouble because he keeps going to this like, uh, it's like a well house, I think. It's part of like the game that he's obsessed with that's, you know, all based on history. Um, and, uh, they live in the city called, um, New Mushroomton, which is fun. <laughs> Um, so, uh, you find out very, uh, quickly that their father, Wilden, um, passed away before Ian was born. Um, so he never got to meet his dad and Barley has very few memories of him. And their mother, Laurel, has a new boyfriend, um, who is a centaur police officer named Colt Bronco. He's kind of like that typical, like, stepdad who's like, just trying to be cool and, you know, fit in with the, with the boys. And, um, he's just kind of kind of dorky, but, you know, he means well. Like we had said in, with the characters, um, Wil Wilmer Valderrama's very small character. Ian is uh, late for school and he's running to go get breakfast and he's wearing his dad's sweatshirt um, for the college that he went to. 
And while he's waiting for his food, this um, guy is sitting next to him and says, oh, hey, uh, you know, like, uh, what's, I don't even remember what the school was called, but he, he sees the name of the school in a sweatshirt. And um, he's like, oh, oh, you're, uh, you're Wilden's son. Oh, he was, you know, I was really sad to hear that he passed away, but he was such a great guy. And he was always wearing purple socks. And uh, it seems like kind of a random fact, but it actually comes <laughs> into play later. I thought that was really cute. Yeah, I did too. Um, so again, like I said, Ian's kind of shy and he's, he's not really much of a risk taker. He goes to take his driving test, but he's too scared to merge into traffic. So I'm assuming he fails the test. Um, he's having a birthday party at his house. Um, and his mom encourages him to invite some kids from a science class. Um, but he, when he goes to invite them, he, uh, is embarrassed by his brother who shows up to pick him up in, um, his car, who he calls uh, Guinevere, that is all dressed up and has like a unicorn on it. Again, this guy's obsessed with, you know, like magical lore myth and, you know, you know all of that. Uh, so he embarrasses Ian when he shows up and Ian's just like, ah, never mind, the party's canceled. So they go back to um, their house and um, Laurel gives Ian a gift from his father who saved it for when he turned 16. It includes a note talking about the history of magic that we hear in the beginning in the voiceover uh, with a wizard uh, stick, a magical staff, I guess, a rare gem, and a letter describing a visitation spell that can resurrect their father for a single day. And Barley is super excited and, you know, he's, he knows all about this stuff, so he's like, all right, I'm going to try it. He tries the spell over and over and over and over again, and he just can't get it right. So, um, he kind of gives up. Laurel's like, Hey, I'll go out and get some cake, um, for, for your birthday. So she leaves and, um, Ian's just kind of like just saying it out loud. And he notices that the gem starts to like shine, I guess, and the spell's working. So, um, he starts to say the whole spell and it, it works, but it doesn't work all the way. Can't quite finish it because he hasn't been able to really master the magic yet and only brings back his dad's legs. <laughs> so it's just like his legs and like not even a torso um, of his dad, but- um, No, but his dad is, he's wearing the purple socks. Mm -hmm. It's just so, so cute. And then Barley, I don't know if when he mentions it, but he talks about, you know, he was so little when his dad passed away, but he used to play the drums on his feet. And so since it's just his dad's legs, he can't hear or see anything. So he doesn't know where he is. Um, so Barley kind of taps on his feet, which is really cute. To be like, oh yeah, dad, it's me. Um, and so the spell, we find out it will only bring a person back for 24 hours and then they disappear. So the three or the two and a half go on a quest to find um, the Manticore's Tavern. Again, this is all based on the game that Barley plays um, to um, find another Phoenix gem. That's the rare gem that was used in the spell um, to fully resurrect their father, I guess. But again, they have to do it in 24 hours. So they're in very limited time. The first question here is why can Ian do this spell, but Barley can't? So again, like in the beginning, they say it's hard to master. Some people just have the gift and Ian is one of those people who has the gift. Um, and so, uh, it's kind of up to him to do all these spells. Barley really can't. Um, and Barley's the one who knows everything. So he's kind of giving him some advice on, you know, like, you know, use your voice from with, what does he say? Uh, it's uh, your heart's fire. It's cute. 
like speak from your heart's fire when he does the spells. Um, so they arrive at the tavern, uh, but it's now like a lore-themed restaurant. And the manticore, Corey, Octavia Spencer, is like like the owner, manager, or whatever. The, the manticore is the one who's supposed to possess the map of the Phoenix gem. And um, so Ian and Barley come up to the manticore, Corey, and they're like, hey, we need this map. And um, basically from talking to her, the manticore realizes how boring her life has become. And she just kind of freaks out and drives all the customers out. And she accidentally, accidentally sets fire to the whole restaurant and thus also the map. The only thing that the brothers have is a children's menu that um, they took from, that they kind of like escaped with that has already been filled out. And the child wrote out Raven's Point. So that's how they know where they need to go next. And meanwhile, Laurel finds out that the boys are gone and she kind of sees some of the playing cards on the table. So she ends up going to um, the Manticore's tavern where the police have showed up and they're talking to the Manticore and uh, she's talking about these two boys and Laurel's like, oh, those are my sons. I'm looking for them. And so they're working together. The Manticore says that uh, basically what, what the boys are looking for is going to be very dangerous and she can help them and save them. So uh, Laurel and the Manticore are working together and they have some fun lines and they're really cute together. Um, kind of like a little side story. So back to the brothers. Um, uh, they are traveling to the mountains and uh, they, <laughs> um, they run out of gas. And this part was, I thought was really funny. So they run out of gas and Barley's like, oh, do a, it's like an enlarging spell basically. He has a little uh, canteen, I guess, in, in his truck, trunk, and um, to enlarge it, that will, you know, give them enough gas to fill up the car. But the spell backfires, and it actually makes Barley really, really small, which is really cute. And so they go to this gas station to, you know, get gas, and they run into um, a gang of pixies, <laughs> like a motorcycle gang, that are also really small. And uh, so there's a little... Uh, moment there. Oh, and I didn't mention, but during all of this, so they, they bring the dad along, but they can't just bring legs. So they put this like, put the sweatshirt <laughs> on him, like this little makeshift top part of his body that's pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> Flopping around and like hanging out the window. Yeah. <laughs> like cute. It is cute. Um, and then uh, also, meanwhile, so on um, the Manticore and Laurel. Our, um, the Manticore says that uh, she has this uh, special sword that needs to, um, that well, that can defeat the curse, um, but she sold it at a pawn shop, so they need to go <laughs> get it, and um, they actually end up stealing it, which is pretty a pretty funny scene. So um, the, the brothers are on their way back to Raven's Point, um, and it leads them on a trail um, indicated by a series of raven statues. Um, but Colt um, kind of tracks them down and he calls in reinforcements. And this is when we have those two little cops, um, or not little cops, the other cops, um, Ali Wong. Um, and this is a really funny scene. Uh, so they, they like figure out a spell that is supposed to turn them into like being somebody else. Like they can, as long as they don't lie. Oh, right. They're like swerving around and like, th this is when like um, Ian has to like, merge across all these lanes which oh, are 100 yeah, yeah, yeah. percent 
felt that because I hate merging. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and he had just failed his driving test. So he's like terrified that he can't drive. He's scared to merge. He's got to merge across like six lanes. Mm -hmm. Um, Truthfully too, like when I was in driver's ed, like, like there's this big, it's almost like a, is it a highway technically Dodge street? Um, I had to merge onto Dodge street during my driver's test. And I was really scared, you know, being 16 and never really having any driving experience. So I was like, I feel you, Ian. It's a lot of lanes. Yes. So, um, yeah, they get pulled over by these other cops and yeah, they disguise themselves as cult, which is a pretty, pretty funny scene, but it will only last if they tell the truth. So, um, Ian starts, uh, saying some stuff about Barley, how, uh, you know, like, oh, no, I don't think he's a screw-up or whatever, and then he starts to change back into himself, which shows that he's lying, and, and Barley, of course, is upset um, by what he says, and so there's a little bit of a tiff there, um, but then uh, after that, they're starting to get closer to Raven's Point. There's a scene with, like, a bridge that, that actually kind of made my heart pump. They had a spell where uh he like you can walk on an invisible bridge but it's only there like if you believe it's there (laughs) so that was kind of scary otherwise it was like you would fall into this pit that would make you fall for eternity pretty much yeah (laughs) so the stakes are high (laughs) um so they get across thankfully and um they're running out of time they only have a couple of hours left and by this point um the two cops that pulled them over were like, okay, this didn't seem right. So they called Colt and he's like, oh no, those are, you know, those are Laurel's sons. And so they send in reinforcements to chase after him and, uh, you know, hunt him down. And so um, Ian's supposed to do a spell that uh, basically shoots at this rock to kind of block all of the cops, um, but he can't do it. He's scared. And so uh, Barley sacrifices his car causing a landslide and blocks all of the the cops. So their like getaway car and his, you know, his baby, if you will, is gone. Um, so they follow the statues and they um, descend through a cave. Um, and um, there's a bunch of traps and creatures. And um, there's uh, some cute scenes where um, Ian's really starting to kind of master his skills so he does some like fireworks and they they need a boat so they uh enlarge this like cheeto <laughs> so like that's like their little boat and they're just all having fun together and and they almost drown actually so they get to this point where they have to uh like step on this i don't know like step that rises them up to the top and when they get to the top they're right back in front of the high school they're like well well hold on we're right back where we started. What's going on? And uh, so Ian lashes out at Barley saying like, I shouldn't have listened to you. We should have gone a different way. And you let me on a wild goose chase. And he, he takes the dad's legs away. And he's like, I just want to spend, you know, what little time we have left with dad by myself. And so he walks away and he had this list from the beginning of all these things that he wanted to do with his dad. Like all these, you know, father son moments. This is where it really, really gets you in the feels, you know, what Pixar is good at. And, um, you know, uh, like play catch and, you know, have a heart to heart, things like that. And he realizes that, you know, over 16 years, he's had, and even just over this past 24 hours, he has had all these moments with his brother. 
And so he's kind of like checks them off and he's like, you know, I do have a dad. My, my brother was my dad. My brother was my father figure. I was unlucky enough that I never got to know him, but I, I had a figure in my life that, you know, taught me, you know, everything that I know. And so he goes back to, to Barley and Barley kind of realizes too, they found this like earlier on this little, uh, like a stone that is what originally showed them to go into the cave through the water. And again, right back where we started this like well house that he's at, or like a gazebo, I don't even know what it is. He puts that stone in there and it shows the Phoenix gem. That's where it was the whole time, just in this, in this, uh, gazebo, well house, whatever, whatever you want to call it. But because of the curse, he grabs it. The curse basically takes up anything in the area and becomes this fire breathing dragon that's made out of this was hilarious it was like it's made out of like cars and parts of the school and like parts of the you know the concrete (laughs) their uh mascots are like dragons i think and the dragon face from like the school's sign is the face of the dragon i just thought that was so funny and then it has like expressive eyebrows which was Uh just so great Nice touch there, Pixar. Yes. So, um, again, uh, the Manticore and Laurel, they show up with, with the sword. And so there's like a little bit of a battle with this giant dragon. And um, Ian eventually masters the spell. And he, um, and they have, I mean, like minutes to um, speak with their dad. And uh, this is when Ian kind of sacrifices those few moments he would have to see his dad for the first time and talk to him for Barley because he knows how important that was for Barley to see and talk to his father one last time. And so um, while uh, uh, Laurel actually is like a total badass and she's the one who ends up stabbing the, uh, um, the dragon with the sword, while she's doing that to kind of uh, distract him while they go have their moment with the dad. Ian is, um, he kind of does it too, doesn't he? Or is he the one that actually ends up slaying it? He, yeah. So he uses a spell that like projects the sword across to the dragon. Right. Okay. Um, but then he gets like crushed. Well, almost all the, you know, parts of the dragon collapse on top of him, but he's able to see through and, uh, the spell worked, and his dad is all the way there, not just his legs, and he gets to see from a distance Barley kind of talking to him, and, you know, they're having a laugh, and then they hug, and it's really sweet, and then he then he disappears. He only gets him for a couple of minutes, but then when Barley comes back, he uh, he talks to, to Ian, and he says that, um, you know, he's really proud of, you know, the person that you became, and it's a really sweet moment, and um, then, um, they kind of flat, I don't know how far into the future, probably not too long. Um, but, uh, Ian's kind of, he's, uh, talking to, is it his class or I'm not sure, but he's talking to a class about, you know, the magic and how they want to try to bring it back into, into their, their world, into their lives. And, uh, one of the students is like, is that how you destroyed the school and how you fixed it? <laughs> He's like, yeah, yep. pretty much. <laughs> and then um, the Manticore, she reopens her tavern in its original spirit, drawing in customers. And um, Barley uh, restores a new van, and he qual- calls it the Guinevere Two. And the two brothers are, 
you know, closer than ever. And that's, that's the movie. I feel like I didn't do it justice because it's so sweet and it has so many fun, fun family moments. And it's just, it's just a really feel good movie. It is. It's very relatable. If you have a sibling, their little, like their little fights, the, their little quirks with each other. And um, we see that Ian is really afraid of a lot of things. Um, and throughout the movie, he obviously overcomes a lot of his fears. And then Barley talks about, I thought this was super sweet. Barley talks about how when his dad was sick and dying, he was, um, you know, he went, he goes to the hospital to say goodbye to him. And he sees him hooked up to all of these machines and tubes and he gets wow. too scared to say goodbye. And so for the rest of his life since then, he has regretted not having the courage to say goodbye to his dad. So he said that from that point on, he was always going to be brave. He was never going to be afraid of anything. And, and so that's why Ian kind of sacrificed that moment that he could have had with his dad because he wanted Barley to be able to give him a proper goodbye. It was yeah. just really like super heartwarming. A lot of good character development throughout the entire movie is just really cute. Yes, I love a good family movie that is not just funny and sweet and everyone can enjoy it, but it has a good message too. Like the characters tell you something about yourself, you know? And uh, I thought that this movie, you know, like, I mean, there's so many Pixar films out there now. Um, this is just the most recent one. And it's a good one. I think that, you know, if you have Disney Plus, absolutely give it a watch. This one's sweet. We will talk a little bit more about it. Uh, but first, let's talk about what else we're watching. So I've been talking to Nina about this show that I've been watching. I just finished it the other day. Uh, it's called 100 Humans on Netflix. Oh, you finished it already. I did. It's only wow. eight episodes. And um, it's really, if you are interested in uh, just human nature and the study of like, just not necessarily the human brain, but just how, how we think. And I guess, I guess, yeah, the human brain and how we work as people and with groups. Um, I think you'll like it. It's, it's about, they um, basically found a hundred people of different ages, races, backgrounds, and um, did a bunch of experiments on them and uh, asked them a bunch of different questions about uh, human sexuality. Um, are we biased about our senses, about our habits and, you know, what age is the best to be? And I thought it was really interesting. Yeah. I watched one episode of that show and I thought that it was really good too. Um, it's definitely, I tried to watch it passively, like while I was doing other things. And it's something that you have to like to get, to understand what point they're kind of trying to prove. Mm -hmm. um, you really have to actually pay attention. So it's one of those shows that you can't just necessarily have on in the background if you want to learn about the social experiments and, and sociology of people in our time. Yes. Um, I thought this was really funny. So in the last episode, they basically, they called everyone humans. They didn't say anyone's names. So they're like, ask a human. And so a few of the humans 
that um, were a part of the show got to ask their own questions that they're interested in learning about. And one of them asked about like bathroom habits. And one of the questions they asked was like, how many squares do you use of toilet paper? And some of these people, you know, would like just like yank off, you know, like half a dozen or like talking about how much they use and just it's just so funny like in our time now yeah what a time to talk about <laughs> toilet paper waste i was like oh my god <laughs> that's so wasteful <laughs> i just thought it was funny but you know if they ever do like a season two i don't know i'd be down it sounds like fun <laughs> yeah <laughs> like an experiment there was like there are certain things you know they couldn't do obviously for you know liability reasons but one of them was this was so funny one of them was, uh, are we willing to take more risks if we listen to happy music? So they had two groups. They had one that listened to like sad music for an hour and one that listened to really happy and fun music for an hour. And then they um, asked all of them to come into this other room and they had this guy who um, like throws knives. And um, they asked him like, hey, do you want to stand there and have him throw knives at you? Like he has a 99% accuracy rate. And like more often than not, people who listen to the happy music were like, yeah, I'm down. What? And then, yeah. <laughs> and then the people who like listen to the sad music were all like, no, except for a few. But they obviously didn't like, again, because of liability, like they just had to see that you were willing to do it, but yeah. not actually, like not actually do it. But there was this like older woman, probably like in her like seventies that I, she was in the happy music group and she was like, sure, I'll do it. And then they talked to her afterward and she was like, he's very handsome. Uh, <laughs> like, I'll let him throw knives at me. He's attractive. Right. And then um, he comes out after like they explain like that was the whole point of this, you know, uh, experiment. <laughs> that guy actually came back out. He kissed her on the cheek and he gave her a personalized dagger. <laughs> it was really cute. Oh, so um, the like first like the very first experiment on the first episode, um, like instantly made me uncomfortable. I was like, oh God, I could not imagine being in this situation because it was like, um, all these people had to be standing. It was like a hundred people, you know, mm -hmm. I think every experiment was with a hundred people, right? Not necessarily. Sometimes oh. we broke it up into smaller groups, but yeah. Okay. So I, in the first experiment, there's a hundred people and they're all standing like in a, in a grid basically. Um, and they say like, if you think that you are, um, or it said like 50% oh. of these people are attractive and 50% are not. If you think that you are in the attractive group, stay standing or, and if you think you're in the unattractive group, leave the floor. And then they kept like narrowing it down, like based on the amount of people that are still standing, do you still think that you're one of the attractive people? It's, it was like, I was like, oh my God, I don't know what I would do in this situation. Yeah, that, that was an interesting one. There was another one that was like, is if you're a good dancer, does that mean you have a high sperm count? That one was interesting. I actually, I watched that one and I thought that that was really interesting. And they said, yeah, that no, there's, there's no correlation necessarily. Just, you know, if you're a good dancer, you're a good dancer and doesn't yeah. really mean anything else. Um, but yeah, there's some really interesting experiments in there. So yeah, definitely give that one a watch, you guys. Um, I did finally finish Glee. Won't talk about it. Just yeah, know it's no. done. <laughs> what else are you watching? Um, I just finished season two of Killing Eve, oh, um, right. which is a show on Hulu. It's a BBC network show with Sandra Oh as the main character, who is um, Christina Yang from Grey's. So it was fun seeing her in a different role. I watched season one when it first came out, and then 
I kind of forgot about season two and it came out and now season three is about to come out. So I saw that they were advertising for season three and I was like, Oh shoot, I got to watch season two really quick. So, um, it was really good. I think it was only eight episodes for the whole season, but, um, the premise of the show basically is that there's this woman who is an assassin. She's this Russian woman that is hired in Europe to be an assassin. And then the British like FBI are tracking her, but she's this young woman and she is very, very, very smart. And she kind of toys with um, one of the FBI agents who is Sandra O. Oh, and they kind of develop this relationship. It's like a cat and mouse game that like Villanelle, who's the assassin, is like playing tricks on Sandra O's oh character. Um, Sandra O's oh character is like chasing after her. They're meeting up. Um, just the two of them. It's it's a really interesting show. Um, it. Yeah, and it's it's like a, I mean, it's a crime show. You know, she murders people. They investigate the crimes. They, like, try to track her. Um, it's kind of like Sherlock in that way. BBC just has some really, really good shows. Have you seen Sherlock? No, I did not. Oh, so good. One. You have it what? I I did not get into that one, no. Oh, How? I don't oh know. my god, I love Sherlock. <laughs> I've heard that. I've heard it, you know. Um, wasn't didn't they have like several um like years between seasons? Yeah, so um Benedict Cumberbatch is Sherlock and then Watson is oh god, what's his name? Oh I know the guy he, who plays Bilbo Baggins. Yes, he was also in the British office. <laughs> yeah um anyway so it's those two and they're both like major actors oh it's martin freeman oh yep um they're both huge actors so the way that they follow this show is kind of like well the stories of sherlock that were written were kind of like throughout the course of sherlock's life so <laughs> they felt like it was okay to sort of have time between seasons um, but ma mainly is because Benedict Cumberbatch and Martin Freeman are just too freaking busy, yeah. which, you know, is cool, but the show is super, super good. And I've been dying for another season. I think the last season came out maybe like three or four years ago and they just still haven't had time to shoot another season. Um, which sucks because it's such a good show. Super quick watch too. I think the episodes are like an hour and a half long and then there's four episodes a season so and then there's four seasons or something so there's really not that many shows total you can get through it really quick all right maybe maybe i'll have to give that one a watch i've heard i've heard many things about it over the years um i don't think there's anything the bbc makes that's not good like the great british baking show oh god you know what i watched a lot of planet earth <laughs> When mm -hmm. my son was very, very little, when he was waking up constantly in the middle of the night, this, this, I just love Planet Earth as it is and all those animal shows. It's just so, it was such soothing background music while <laughs> I tried to get my son to go back to sleep. Yeah. Play it and uh, love it. I, I agree. BBC is pretty awesome. Um, Lane, our director of IT, he actually recommended um, Tales from the Loop, which is on Amazon. Have you heard of that? No. I have not either. He said, did you ever watch the OA? No. And um, Colin Bokes has told me a thousand times to watch that show and I just haven't gotten around to it. Same. I've been told 
to watch that show as well. But he said that it's filling the OA hole in my life. The OA hole. OA hole. <laughs> okay, laying. <laughs> uh, no, but he, he did say it was really good. And he said that he even got a little teared up. So um, oh. I might have to give that one a watch too. Again, that's on Amazon. Uh, last thing that I want to talk about is, um, so I don't know if you've been watching um, Some Good News. Yes. Oh, I love John Krasinski. So yes, if you guys, oh, he's the best. Is, he is wonderful. John Krasinski started his own like little new show in his house during um, during lockdown and quarantine, and all it is is just talking about good stuff. I I follow him on Twitter, and I saw him like maybe like two or three weeks ago saying like, "What's some good news out there?" And basically, people share with him good stories, feel good stories, because there's so much scary and uncertainness going on right now um we all need some good news and that's all the show is it's just an online show it's on youtube um i think he posts every sunday there's only two episodes but and he and the first one he talked to steve carell and they talked about the office um in the second episode he talked to this girl this uh maybe like 10 year old girl who um was not able to go see hamilton and um he actually brought on the cast of hamilton through a zoom call and they sang one of the songs from hamilton for her and they amazing it was and it's just oh, it just makes your heart feel so good during these these weird times but um yeah if you guys are looking for something to lift your spirits go find some good news on youtube it's pretty awesome too cute is there anything else that you're watching or anything you're looking forward to watching not really. Um, I haven't. Oh, I haven't really watched a whole lot. Else, I finally got caught up on This Is Us. Got caught up on Grey's. Uh, what did you I think of that finale? Was the finale the one where they get in the fight? Yes. Yeah, it was heartbreaking. I, so sad. Oh, I those. This Is Us does a great job of having moments where you feel like you're intruding. And when I watch something where I feel like it's actually happening and I'm like, oh, I shouldn't be here because it's like a personal moment between people, like where they're fighting or whatever it is. Like, I, I feel like that's just such good, like everything, acting, directing, like, oh, and they have so many moments like that. And that was one of those moments where I was like, no, don't say it. <laughs> I know. You could just see it coming. It was so sad. I definitely feel like a, like you get to see so many moments of the lives of the characters in this show that it it feels like you know them it feels like you're part of their family mm -hmm. it like hurt me personally me too to, to feel like oh no what's going to come out of this fight between kevin and randall we'll see in season so five whenever, whenever we get it um yeah but yeah that's that's what else we're watching All right, let's get back to our review of Onward. So um, again, like I said, it is available on Disney Plus right now. Um, I'm interested though, uh, it had a budget of um, 175 to 200. I don't get the, the, the dash, but I have to say up to $200 million. Um, the box office, it made 104 million. And it was only, you know, in theaters for, I don't know, maybe like two weeks. So I'm interested to see, you know, what the numbers will be now that it's been transferred to a streaming platform. Like, I, how does that work? With I have no idea. Yeah, I've always wondered that, like, movies that are, you know, Netflix originals or, you know, whatever, like, and they have big stars in them. How do they make money? That's a good question. I have no idea. 
So it, it is a little sad that these movies, you know, no one's going to see them in the theater. That's how they make their money. But, you know, at least they're available somewhere. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's, it's a good one. And uh, um, I wanted to talk about just kind of like the big message of the movie, um, which is, you know, father figures in our lives, right? Um, you know, Ian realizes at the end of the film that, you know, he... He didn't have a dad. Like, yes, he had a dad. Of course he did. But he never got to know him. He was never, he passed away before he was born. So he never had a chance to know him and have his dad teach him all the things you know, dads are supposed to, right? But his brother was there and his brother got to teach him all of those things. And so he kind of realizes that, you know, anyone can step up and be a dad, right? You know, you just gotta, you gotta be the one to do it and, you know, just step up and take that role if it, you know, comes to you. And so I, I thought that was such a powerful message. And I, I, I really love that Pixar does that with, with these movies. It's not just a kid's movie. It, it also teaches really valuable lessons. And I also wanted to talk about how um, one of the cops, again, um, um, Lena, the Cyclops police officer, um, I really liked that she brought up just casually like, oh, my girlfriend's daughter. Like, that's exactly what I was thinking when I was talking about how I love that animated films and really just films in general now are just so much more inclusive yeah. than they used to be. Did you ever see Finding Dory? No, I didn't. There was, it wasn't as good as the original, I'll say, but it was still good. You know, it was still Pixar, but mm -hmm. um, there was also um, a gay couple in, in that film too. And I remember there was kind of a, there's kind of a stink about it, eh. But, um, but I agree. I do like that these films are becoming more inclusive and it was, it wasn't even like a plot point. It was just like, oh yeah. Right. Like it was not a big deal. I, I really like seeing that, especially in these children's films. So it's kind of more normalized. So I, That's I exactly was, what I was going to say. Yeah. I thought it was really cool. So I'm glad. I agree. I also think that a, a big theme of this movie too is, um, and it's not the first time that Pixar's done this either, but they kind of bring up a point about like, questioning afterlife which I thought is is kind of interesting um not to not to really talk about religion or anything those things that you you know believe in but um I know it's not the first time that they've done it as far as what's that one movie is it, is it? I don't remember if it was it might have, it was probably Pixar. I thought it just came out a couple years ago. It was like this kid. Uh, let me see. Pixar movies. I feel like it had to have been Pixar. What else happened? Oh, it was Coco, I think. Oh, okay, yeah. Like the one where it's like the, um, the like the he family to, yeah he has to like go into the afterlife and like yeah yeah and then his um his grandmother um he like plays her the song yeah yeah so it's definitely not the first time that pixar has addressed afterlife and um in the movie coco they definitely allude to the fact that you know in these imaginary places that there are um, is an ability to communicate with the dead and that kind of stuff. So, I, but I think that's an interesting point to bring up in a children's film, mm -hmm. um, and what that 
not only that what oh that represents but like kind of helps or not helps kids to realize what they believe in but kind of gives gives them something to think about anyway I think too like going along with that just death in general like Disney has always mm -hmm. done a really good job of of I mean death is a part of life and they yeah. don't you know tiptoe around it and I think with this movie especially you know like people unfortunately lose their parents at young ages or maybe never get to know them but they use that in such a you know a, a relatable fun way um and towards the end it just really made you feel you know it's really like oh you know like getting that chance to see you know a past loved one again you know these these themes that you know might seem too big for kids but something that everyone you know needs to understand and they do it in a way that's easy to grasp um so yeah i can't think of a single disney movie that there's not some form of loss mm -hmm. i mean it's you a, know it's a part of everyone's life and right the, don't experience it for years and years and years, or you experience it at a young age, like, like, uh, Ian and Barley do, um, you know, it's something that kids need to know about and talk about. So I've always loved Disney for that, how they tackle these, these big topics, um, in a, in a way that kids can understand. Mm -hmm. I'll never forget Mufasa dying. <gasps> Don't remind me. <laughs> no, That's, that traumatized me for the rest of my life. I'm pretty sure. That's the first one I can think of, I can remember watching and being like, wait, what? Um, did you actually, um, kind of side note, did you ever watch the live action remake? No. It was- I didn't. It was all right, you know, like, but it was almost like, it was just too similar to the original, you know? Okay. It was just kind of, it was just a CGI version of the original with some of the fun parts, like- but what do you want me to do dress and drag and do the hula like that wasn't in there and I was very disappointed oh. uh, but other than that it was pretty much the exact same hmm that's odd yeah I'm, I'm good with the animated version they don't need it well, I don't know why they're touching those old movies I'm still excited to see Mulan though but I they did push that date back because of the coronavirus I kind of forgot about that mm-hmm so who knows when that one will uh grace our presence but uh I'm sure we'll we'll have some opinions on that when that comes out. Um, let's get to our review yeah. of Onward. Um, I got to give this one a five out of five. It's a great movie. It has, you know, top-notch animation like Pixar always has. It's a very sweet story. It's fun. I love the magic aspect of it. I just think that that's so fun and uh, just interesting. Like, this is probably one of Pixar's first films in a long time that isn't a sequel. <laughs> um, that's True. good, because Pixar has had some not so great ones come out over the past, I don't know, maybe 10 years that are forgettable. Like, I never saw The Good Dinosaur. I never saw um, Brave. Those ones were kind of lower on the list. Um, but it wasn't one of the sequels that everyone was looking forward to. It's still good. I still hear people talking about it. And especially all these people home with their kids, they're watching it. Um, mm -hmm. They're liking it. And I did too. And I tried to watch it with my son, but he just doesn't have the attention span for movies right now. So uh, it was just me, but I really liked it. So yeah, five out of five, solid review. I think for me, maybe four and a half out of five. Um, I think my... I don't really even want to say that it's a knock against it, but for me, it just, it isn't as memorable as other films, but um, 
it's not something that I necessarily need to watch again, I guess, which I'm kind of picky about movies anyway, when it comes to rewatching, there's not a lot of stuff that I feel like needs to be rewatched. Um, and this, this one I feel like is one of them just because, I don't know, I don't really know why, but I did really, really like it. I thought it was super cute. I love the message. Um, a lot of people said that they cried when they watched this movie. I didn't, but I can see why people did. Um, especially if you have lost a parent or if you've lost somebody very, very close to you, I can definitely see how that would fit, like hit close to home and, and hit you in the feels that way. So um, I did really, really like it. But for me, it wasn't as big as like, you know, traditional. And I'm just kind of a traditional Pixar Disney person anyway, because we were growing up during that time when all those things were so big. And so those will always stand out in my mind more than the newer things. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. Definitely fair. Um, yeah. Well, hey guys, that was Onward. Um, go give it a watch if you haven't already or watch it again. Again, that is available on Disney+. Plus. And while you're there, check out some of their throwback movies. They have so many good Disney movies on there right now. So while you're stuck at home, give those a watch for some nostalgia. And also, as always, guys, let us know what else you're watching. We are looking for more ideas, especially with not knowing how long <laughs> this is going to last. And even if we don't review it, you know, what else are you watching? So we have more to do. <laughs> but Exactly. Uh, as I've been saying with these past few episodes, again, I just want to thank all of our travelers for everything you guys are doing. I know it's hard. I can't, well, I, I guess I don't really know how hard it is for you, but I, we're here for you. And, um, hopefully, uh, just talking about, you know, silly, silly kids movies or, you know, serious dramas or whatever is an escape for you. But, um, again, just really want to thank you all for what you're doing. You too, Nina, because I know you're working in uh, healthcare as well. So uh, thank you for what you do as well. Thank you. You are welcome. Well, it's everyone... good to be appreciated. Oh, of course, yeah. <laughs> it's not. It's not as easy as as some people think that it is to work in healthcare, especially right now. So I can only imagine. I have a lot of friends and family that do as well. So. I appreciate all of you guys for everything that you do on a daily basis and especially right now. Um, until next time, everyone, keep on streaming. We will see you next time. Have a good one. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Atlas Now Streaming. Let us know in the comments what you're watching and if we should give it a review. Until next time, keep streaming. <laughs>